I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. As a quick preface to this episode, I am still getting used to the new mic, so there's a little bit of rumbling you hear here and there that I believe has to do with the distance I am from the microphone. Um, or the cord to the microphone. I apologize for it in this episode, but rather than re-recording the whole episode, it's really only bad at the very, very beginning, and then you only hear it once or twice through the rest of the episode. So I really apologize. I hope it's okay, and I will do better next time. And now, on with the episode. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 179, in which I descend to the basement. And I'm recording this on Sunday, March 15th, 2015. Beware the Ides of March. I want to say um, welcome to everybody. Welcome especially to any new listeners. And I did actually meet a few this week. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about how that happened later. I didn't meet them in person, just by email and or comments. Um, but in any case, hopefully, if you're a new listener, you won't let the fact that we've had a couple of weird episodes go on here in the middle of things um, frighten you away. This is usually quite a normal podcast, however you choose to define normal for you. Uh, I have a couple of announcements and then a boatload of Sandy update within which there will actually be some content. So good stuff happening today. Uh, the first announcement is that I do indeed have a new microphone. You would have possibly noticed that there was a very, very short podcast episode posted in the middle of the week. Um, it was only a couple minutes long. I was just testing out the new microphone. I have gotten a lot of very good feedback. Everybody except one person said that this new one has definitely recorded um, at a normal level and uh, everything is good to go. I had one person for whom the old one used to be fine and this one was now quiet. <laughs> and I said, okay, no idea what's going on for you. Um, but for everybody else, it seems to be working better. Uh, you know, just law of averages. You can never get everybody on the same page at once, <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on it. Um, I'm not going to, however, at this point, make any more changes. This is the last new microphone I want to be buying for a while. Uh, and um, the software seems to be working well. Everything seems to be going pretty darn well. So hopefully we've got at least that set of problems solved at this stage. The other announcement I've got going on, uh, again, if you've been following the blog, you will have already read about this. Um, ever since I switched to the podcast, uh, I'm sorry, my blog host that I've been using lately, I think I probably switched, I think it was just a year ago, a little over a year ago. And it's, you know, beautiful for me on a number of levels. I really like my new, uh, new, you know, the, the website provider I'm using now. Really like the way I'm able to set up my blog and podcast. And it's very user-friendly in terms of how I do things on my end of things. Uh, but early on, there were a lot of people that complained that they weren't able to leave comments easily. And then my comments dropped off rather precipitously. So I decided I just didn't have time to really deal with it much in 2014 because I was on the road quite a bit for work. But I decided this year 
okay, I've, I've either got to get this fixed or I've got to go back, no matter how much I love this uh, web host, I've got to go back to, to WordPress because I never really had problems on Word, WordPress. Um, so what I've been doing is sort of a last ditch effort to keep me from having to make a move because it's going to be a pain in the tuchus to do that. I'm once again trying to work with uh, the support of the web host to see if we can't figure this out. And they've already done one thing right because my first email to them was, okay, I did this, went through this with you a year ago. Here was what made me very unhappy about my experience with tech support. And the first thing was that I got bounced around from person to person. They were very fast on the response, but it was clearly whoever happened to get to the email first. And I just had to keep repeating myself and going back over the same material time and again. And I, I just, I was livid by, um, you know, within like a week of this. And they did finally at that point bump me up the food chain. So I just got to one person, but we never were able to figure out what the problem was. And then, like I said, I just got busy and was unable to return to really solving it this time. When I emailed them, I said, okay, last time I went through this, you bounced me around to 15 different people. Please don't do that again. And so immediately I had one person working with me on this. Um, unfortunately, you know, the flip side of that is she doesn't work 24 seven. <laughs> so of course there's gonna be a little bit of lag time um, over the weekend, for example, for uh, when she's able to respond, but I'm fine with that. I'd, I'd far prefer to just be dealing with one person regardless of what their schedule is. Uh, so she immediately went in and looked at some things, um, could not immediately discern any issues, particularly not with the way my blog itself is set up. Um, so now we're just running tests and I have asked people to please leave comments on the blog page. I'm gonna ask you to do the same. Please do it this time specifically on the podcast page because I do have two different pages, one for the blog, one for the podcast. I need to make sure they're both working. As most of us experience, I get far fewer comments on podcast episodes than I do on the blog. And I know that's why, I know exactly why, because I do the same thing. Um, you know, when you're reading a blog, you're generally reading it in some sort of form where you've got a keyboard in front of you, <laughs> you know, whether it's the um, touchscreen keyboard on your tablet or your phone, or whether you're listening at your computer, or I'm sorry, reading at your computer or whatever. Um, you've got a keyboard in front of you, you can immediately comment on a blog post. When you're listening to podcasts, you tend to be out and about and away from keyboards. And by the time you get home, you don't remember to comment. So I know this is gonna be a little bit of an extra effort, but again, I'm really trying to test this. So what I need you to do is leave a comment on the podcast page, the notes for this episode. And when you leave a, a comment, you know, let me know what platform there's, there's information and I'll try to, I'll copy it from the blog page over to the podcast page. So you've got it. There's a link that you can go to, to fill out um, with tech support. If you do have a problem, uh, that'll help you get the information that they need and give it to them or send it to me and I'll send it to them. If you do have a problem, pretty much at this point, everybody's been able to comment. If people are not, if you're not able to leave a comment, then you need to email me with that information that I can then send on to tech support. And I need more than just, I tried to comment and it didn't work. I need to know how you were accessing the blog. What's your, um, you know, is it a tablet? Is it a computer? Is it a phone? Is it an uh, Apple product? Is it a PC? Is it Samsung? You know, all of that kind of information. And that's why there's link that link on there for the tech support page, because that, kind of, I think what it does is it reads your device 
and throws all the information into a thing that you can easily email me to email them. And all of that information is confidential, etc. Um, I won't be running around saying, oh, so-and-so has thus-and-so type of device. It's just a matter of getting the right information to them so that they can define what the problem is. So, you know, we'll see how that works. So that, that would be a way for you to help me. It is, of course, also, you know, sounds like a shameless plug for comments. Maybe it is, but mostly I just need you to help me test this out to make sure everything really is working the way it's supposed to be working. Um, the only other announcement is, like I've been saying, we're coming up on my fifth podcast anniversary, and um, I have decided I'm actually going to launch the giveaway next week, Sunday. So um, next week's episode. Oh, actually, I take that back. I can't do an episode on Sunday because I'll be out of town. So it'll be a blog post <laughs> that I will be um, launching the giveaway next week, Sunday. And then I'll do the drawing on Easter Monday, so the, the day after Easter Sunday. And um, I will announce them then, you know, that following week. I have Easter Monday off, so there's a real good chance I might be doing a podcast episode that day. Um, that's why I'm kind of timing it like that. So again, the giveaway will be launching on my blog next week, Sunday, which is May, or sorry, March 22nd, is that? And then it's going to go for about two weeks. I will do the drawing then the Monday after Easter. Um, so get ready for that. Some really, really good giveaway gifts. I'm very excited about this. Okay, Sandy update. First, yes, I do have a quilt in a quilt show again, or I had. It was yesterday. It was a one-day quilt show. It's This is a very small, low-key quilt show. That's why I'm always comfortable doing it. Um, it's run by one of the local quilt shops. It only runs for a day. They do them a couple of times a year. And... The main reason I actually put um, the quilt in the quilt show is because it helps to advertise one of their classes. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know if I would have bothered. Um, not not that I don't think it was worth showing, but I'm just not geared for shows, really. That's just not in my mindset at this point. Um, I do things for myself, and partly it's because I'm continually experimenting. So I know my stuff doesn't always turn out beautifully. It's because I'm always pushing what I know how to do. <laughs> really, if I always did... What I already knew how to do, I'd probably have a lot better results. But anyway, um, the project I put in the quilt show is the one that I blogged about, Nooms. It's the one that came out of, it was inspired by the art quilt design class. And so I had that on the label. And then when I saw how they had hung it, they had actually hung it next to um, a quilt by the teacher of that same class, which I wasn't sure if they had done that intentionally or whether it was just happenstance, only because there weren't that many art quilts in this particular show. It kind of varies by show because it all depends on who drops off quilts. Some years they've had a lot more than others. This year was a kind of a small year for the art quilt section. Um, we were all kind of down in one little hallway. Uh, I will say mine was the only one that looked anything like mine, <laughs> style-wise or anything. Um, it was very different from everything hanging around it, which is, you know, that's what art quilts are supposed to be. So I have to go pick that up sometime this week. So, you know, it's that's not terribly exciting to, <laughs> to have a quilt in that show, and it is the second time I've put a quilt in that show. Um, there is another, there's a much bigger quilt show coming up this year from, I've talked about this in last week's episode, the Genesee Valley Quilt Club show. And I could put quilts in there, but I never have any ready <laughs> on the right time frame. I think their deadline is April 1st. And... I'm just not sure I'll have anything that I'm really that interested in putting the show ready at that point. Um, 
and it doesn't even have to be done, but you have to at least know like what size it's going to be and everything. And I'm not sure I've got anything even to the point where I'd know it would be done that I know what size it is now, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't know that I'm going to get any quilts in that show. I'm still kind of pondering. Um, yeah, I could put nooms in there again, but I, you know, I don't know for me, partly, okay, it's been in the show now that's done over with move on. <laughs> I don't know. This is again, I'm not, because I'm not sitting here saying, oh, I don't have anything good enough to put in the show. I just, you know, it's just not something I really think about doing much. So it would take a fair amount of effort for me to have something in the, <laughs> the GVQC show. And I'm just not sure I'm ready to put in the effort. So that's a lot of that. Um, another update. I have mentioned that I'm doing the Craftsy class on, um, uh, it's called Travel Organizers, I believe, with Annie Unrine. And uh, I did go ahead and just ordered the finishing kits for both bags from her website rather than taking the supply list and trying to go to Joanne's. And I talked about that on the last episode, so I won't go into that now. I will say I ordered the bag, the finishing kits in the wrong order because the day I printed off the class materials and placed the order, I was super, super busy. So I wasn't really paying very close attention. And I hadn't realized that the two bags had printed off in reverse order of when how they're actually done in class and this is a class where you really have to do the first bag first because you're learning skills that then you put into the slightly more complicated second bag uh so i got the finishing kit for the second bag first <laughs> and when i realized that i then had to go back into place an order for the first bag and i just i did just get that bag uh, the finishing kit yesterday so i could possibly start that class this week i haven't decided if i'm going to do that yet I kind of have to be in the right mental place <laughs> to do that class. And I'm, I'm just not sure I'm there right now. I'm having way too much fun doing other stuff and I'm not sure I want to stop doing that other stuff at the moment. So I might wait. Um, my husband and I go on vacation on Friday. It's kind of a weird schedule because of his travel schedule. We're leaving Friday and then we come back the following Thursday night. So I'll be working that Friday <laughs> and, and then I go out of town myself that following Sunday and I'm gone for three or four days and then we get into Easter holidays and everything. So the next few weeks are going to be a little hitchy in terms of the time I actually have to get things done. Really the next three or four days is kind of my last uh, serious time that I can spend either in my sewing room or in my dye studio. And right now the balance has been tipped towards the dye studio, but I'll be talking about that a little bit later. Um, I will say with these, with these bags <laughs> and this class, I have now paid way, way more for either of these bags than I ever would have paid to buy them retail. And to a certain degree, that kind of ticks me off. <laughs> and, and I know, sure, could I have done it cheaper if I'd had the right kind of fabric in my stash? Yes, and I did have fabric for one of them in my stash, but I had to buy fabric for the other because I didn't have anything of the right size, right amounts, etc that would have worked for that second bag. Um, and I already talked about that in the last episode too, so I won't talk about that more in this one. Um, in terms of the supplies, I did also talk about that in the last episode. There's a reason why I decided to go for the finishing kits, but I will also say, I don't think her prices on the finishing kits were really any more than what I would have paid had I gone to Joann's and stuff, with the exception of at Joann's, you always have coupons and I had to pay shipping. Um, but even with those two, I still, you know, it's not that much of a difference. It's just overall, there's a lot of supplies for these bags and I don't pay that much for stuff like that retail. So 
there is part of me now, the, the bar on these bags has just been raised a whole lot. If I don't enjoy making these bags, I mean, if it just works my very last nerves, like this stuff tends to do, and especially if my results don't turn out well, um, it'll be the last time I ever do something like this because <laughs> it's just, as we know, this is not in my wheelhouse. I'm really only doing it partly because I don't like I don't like not knowing how to do something, really, and, and it kind of bothers me that I don't know how to do some stuff that I feel like, you know, I probably should know how to do. On the other hand, if it's something I don't enjoy doing, I'm not going to force myself to keep doing it. At this point, now I've got to do these two bags because I paid a boatload for the supplies, so, you know, I've got to at least try to make them. Um, but this is all part of what's playing into me trying to decide if I should just off my commercial stash because that's how I keep getting myself into <laughs> to these messes because I start feeling guilty about having these fabrics that I haven't used yet and that's well you know maybe I should learn how to make purses and totes and bags because that's how I use up stash and then I end up making purses and totes and bags and not having any fun whatsoever and I just get annoyed and I feel like it's taking time away from the stuff I really love to do so all of that is a rant <laughs> admittedly I'm I'm on a rant and this is why it's hard for me to really gear up to say yeah okay I'm going to start tackling these bags I will do it I will definitely do them. Um, I like both of the bags in this class. I like the pictures of other people's finished projects that I've seen. I know other people have done them on, you know, bloggers and podcasts and stuff. I, I've been aware of them around. Um, I don't foresee any huge problems with me doing them and getting them done well because the class is laid out well. I've already watched a couple of the episodes and it's gotten great reviews and it was recommended to me by a listener. So I think that'll all be fine. The, the question really only remains as to how much I enjoy myself in the process. <laughs> That's going to be the big deal. Now, maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe by the time I get these things finished, I'll have had a great time and I'll have loved the finished results and I'll be gung-ho to make a bunch more. <laughs> okay, enough said, about, enough said about that. You can probably hear the slight skepticism in my voice. Anyway, moving on. Um, the embroidery has been going very well. So far, I've only met, met one stitch that became my nemesis. <laughs> and one couple of nights in a row, I was working on one stitch she has, Sue Spargo has in her class, called the rosette chain stitch. And it's all, it's not that the stitch itself is that complicated. It's all a matter of getting the right tension, essentially, on your thread at every step along the way, and I've just not been able to do that yet. It's just a matter of practice. There's nothing else I should be doing differently. There's, um, I already switched up thread and needle, so I already know that's not the problem. It's really just practice, and after a couple of nights of practicing it and not getting it well done, I decided she had led off the teaching of that stitch by saying it's the hardest stitch she teaches. It's the one that her students have the most trouble with. So after a couple of nights of having trouble with it myself, I finally decided, you know what? Maybe what I need to do is just skip it and move on, work my way through a lot of other stitches in the class, and then go back and try it again, because maybe by then I'll have gotten more experience and, and more, more of a feel for, you know, the tension and all of that kind of stuff, um, and it'll come more easily. So I decided at that point, okay, I've done every other stitch she's taught so far successfully and used them each a couple of times. I'm going to set that one aside. <laughs> I'm going to come back to it again later. Um, so this week, I haven't done any embroidery in a couple of days, uh, but I'm going to be getting back to it, of course, this week again. And especially when I go on vacation, I'm planning on 
taking all of that with me, although we're flying, so I'm gonna have to take a smaller version of it <laughs> with me because that bin is pretty big. Um, maybe that would be a good motivation for me to finish that everything in its place bag from the Craftsy class because that would actually be a good bag to have all that embroidery stuff in. Huh, I'll have to think about that. Uh, in any case, that's an easy thing to bring on vacation, so I'll be able to work on that. But this, the, the next set of stitches I have coming up on the next lesson are bullion stitches and a lot of variations on them. And boy, I love the look of that stitch and the variations. Some of the variations are very cool. And again, it doesn't look overly complex. And this one, I don't think there will be quite as many issues with getting the tension exactly right the way there was with the rosette chain stitch. So. I have high hopes <laughs> that I'll be successful in those stitches. Um, so anyway, that's that's where I'm at with that. Um, I had a really interesting experience this week where I kind of, well, I had an introvert meltdown. I was exhausted earlier this week. Um, it had been a very, very long, you know, about 10 days of just very continuous um, extroverted activities. <laughs> I guess we'll say. Um, I was doing a lot of presentations. I had a lot of conference calls. I had a lot of stuff where I was sort of on professionally. Um, and although that was also balanced out by, you know, a certain amount of downtime at home, apparently it, it just wasn't balanced enough because by Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I just absolutely had the first introvert meltdown I've had in years because normally I'm able to catch the signals. <laughs> and headed off at the pass and, and I just didn't see this one coming, which was stupid, I should have. But in any case, um, all the signals were there. But what happened was once I went through that meltdown and came out the other side, suddenly I was on fire creatively, creatively. And so I've just been, maybe you could say heading off in 15 different directions at once, but <laughs> there is sort of a point to all of it. Um, I kind of got to the point where I decided I really needed to learn some new techniques, not necessarily doing individual projects on each technique, but to learn some new techniques to be able to put them back into, um, you know, what I'm already doing. And so uh, the, the embroidery has been, of course, an ongoing part of that. But one of the things I ended up doing the day I went over to drop my quilt off at the quilt shop for the show was a gorgeous day. Oh, it was beautiful and sunny and it was like 50 some odd degrees out. And um, that was the first time I'd been out of the house all day because I had been working. Uh, it was the drive across town. I had my, I actually had my sunroof open. I had windows down. It was great. <laughs> so I get over there and I'm not quite ready to get in the car and come back home yet. So I decided I would just walk around the plaza where the quilt shop is. And that same plaza I have already been in, they have a needle arts uh, store that sells all sorts of wonderful yarns and threads and all that kind of stuff. And so I had already been in there to pick up some threads several weeks ago for this embroidery project. But there's also a beading store in the same plaza. And I'd never gone into that store before. And so I decided just for kicks and giggles, I'd wander into the bead store. <laughs> I, I dropped a bundle. <laughs> I guess, you know, like I said, I was in this kind of creative verve and it was a beautiful day and I was suddenly in a good mood and I'd gotten a really good night's sleep the night before. So I was full of energy. Um, and you know, that all, <laughs> that all adds up for being right for the plucking. But this was a wonderful bead store. They had so many really different, unique, gorgeous, arty kind of beads. Um, so I did pick up, a, a, not a ton, but not cheap ones. <laughs> 
either. Um, so I do have some beads now um, that I'm going to be using for embellishment. And what I think I'm going to do, I had talked about prayer flags uh, once before because somebody had mentioned it as in their 2015 quilty resolutions. And I'd said, you know, in my response to that in a previous episode that I had always kind of wanted to do prayer flags myself. And I'm kind of thinking I might do those now uh, because they're wonderfully small. <laughs> and what I could do is I could feasibly do them out of felted wool um, and mostly do hand embroidery and embellishment on them. Um, I just, I think that would be a way for me to play around with ideas and play around with design and stuff really small and fast. I know I've been doing the journal quilt. Well, I did one journal quilt, never got February's done, but February kind of got away from me. Um, I'm working on a couple of things now that will become March's journal quilt. One of them will, anyway. <laughs> I've got several experiments going at the moment. Whichever one inspires me the most will become March's uh, journal quilt. But the prayer flags are something, again, I could actually cut them up and bring them with me, you know, have kind of smallish things just in a kit in my purse ready to go anytime I'm sitting and just need to do something. But what I kind of thought maybe I would do just to, um, again, push myself creatively is actually start with one of the beads and let the bead inspire me to what the prayer flag might look like. Um, so instead of creating something and then looking for a bead that would work with it, start with the bead and go from there. Um, so, you know, stay posted, <laughs> stay tuned, see if I do that. Um, I would work on it this afternoon, except my sewing room is a screaming wreck right now. It just got absolutely piled this weekend. And after I'm done recording this podcast, while I'm listening to it back, because I do pretty much always listen to my entire podcast episode back, um, I will be cleaning. <laughs> And then if I have enough time after that, um, I might then cut out some felted wool and, and start getting ready to do a prayer flag. Uh, so that's kind of another little thought I have brewing in the back of my head. Um, I did get my superior threads order. I think I'd mentioned in a previous episode that I had um, ordered on their sale. They have a sale. I think it's going all of March. So you might want to check it out on their Try Me specials where you get them for... Um, I think they're all 50% off. If they're not all of them, it's at least up to 50% off. The ones I got were all 50% off, which means I was only paying two or $3 per spool. There's a minimum or a maximum order of five spools for any one line. So you could order 15 different lines and get five spools of each, but you can only get up to five of any particular line. Um, I didn't place a big order. I only had six or seven spools, I think, all together this time and um, maybe not even that many. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, two of them are repeats because you can't choose your colors. They just send you whatever colors. So this time I got two spools that are the same colors of two spools I'd gotten before, but I'm okay with that because they're colors I loved the first time I got them. And so it's nice to now know I've got two spools worth of both of them. Uh, the other ones were new colors. I didn't get any colors that I hated you know, they're all stuff that I can see use for at various times. And then I had also gotten two, um, no, I got th three, I think, silk ribbons, hand-dyed silk ribbons, I think they're hand-dyed, that were also Try Me Specials. And so those went down into my embroidery uh, packet uh, carrier bin. Um, and then I bought two uh, Try Me Specials of water-soluble stabilizer, one of which is a lighter weight and one of which is a heavier weight. 
I've used water soluble stabilizer before, but I've never used this particular brand, so I thought it was worth trying. And I've never used a heavyweight water stabilizer, water soluble stabilizer, so that'll be kind of fun to play with. And especially now that I'm doing all this other kind of stuff, I think I'm going to start having more need <laughs> to use stabilizers for things. Um, so anyway, that's another way that I'm going to be able to play creatively because I've got more fun threads to play with. I did take Friday off because I had a comp day from the event I'd had the week before. And so I, I held off. I, you know, normally I would have taken it on Monday, but I ended up, I was doing a speaking engagement on Monday. So I'd held it off until Friday, but that worked really well because my, my guild has so days just about every month. They skip some months here and there, but just about every month. And it's always all day Friday, all day Saturday. And I usually can't do them um, at all. You know, a lot of times I am available on the Saturday, but if I have one Saturday to get stuff done, first of all, I can rarely take a whole day to go to a so day if that's, you know, if that's my weekend. Um, but also I always feel like by the time I get everything packed up and get down there and everything, I could have been spending that time in my sewing room. So I tend not to go to so days. But this time having Friday off and knowing that I had to do this honking big Jacob's Ladder king size quilt, <laughs> that's going to be a lot of tedium work. I decided, okay, best time to do that kind of tedium work is when I'm surrounded by other people, keep myself occupied. So all I brought with me was the stuff to work on the Jacob's Ladder. It ended up being the best thing I could have done for a completely unexpected reason. I did not make as much progress on my Jacob's Ladder as I had thought I would, but that's primarily because I always grossly overestimate <laughs> the amount I'm gonna be able to get done in any given day. I always do. You know, I always make this list of here's what I'm going to get done today. And then I figure, okay, if I can make half of it, then I'm doing well. Um, so there's that to begin with. But the second thing that happened, um, as you know, I've been debating what to do with my stash. And so this Jacob's Ladder I am doing in blues, um, kind of like a, a, a grade blue, like an Americana blue, a, a colonial blue, that type of blue in a variety of values. Um, and then cream slash beige. Those are the two colors that I'm using and it's scrappy. So I'm using a lot of those different colors. But I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm really only going to be using two or three strips of various sizes from each of these fabrics. And I'm thinking, oh crud, I'm still going to have, you know, just, I'm still going to have a lot of these fabrics left, just less of them. And had been kind of debating what I might do with the leftovers. Well, when I got to the sew day, they were working on um, reorganizing some of our donated, some of them, some of the folks that were there were working on reorganizing some donated fabrics that we've had as a guild forever. And they have been working on some Quilts of Valor projects. And mostly they tend to do that at So Days and Retreat. And I haven't made the last couple of retreats. Um, I've been out of town for work both times. And like I said, I'm, I'm rarely at So Days. So I haven't really been involved in that. And wasn't really, it wasn't in my, on my radar. Well, it turns out the blues, the colors they were using were kind of those same Americana colors. The the blues, the sort of creams and beiges rather than a pure white and the more burgundy style um, reds. And so what I ended up doing was out of every fabric I had, I would cut the strips I needed plus some I because I don't trust my math. So I have probably twice of what I'm really going to need for this quilt but I would cut my own strips and set those aside. And then I would say, okay, what size strips do you need? Because they were kind of kidding things up. They have a pattern or a couple of patterns that 
they're doing and they were creating kits of all the strips and everything that they would need so people could just take a kit sit down and whip whip one of these off so i would then cut the rest of my fabric up into those strips and hand them off to them so i was immediately getting rid of my leftover fabrics which felt fantastic that meant that by the end of friday between what i cut for my own quilt and what i donated to them I used 10 yards of fabric for my stash, which felt so good. Now, I still have a lot of stash left, but it still felt good to finally get that much out the door. Um, you know, of course, I am having a little bit of a worry about what if even the amount I cut for myself now isn't enough? You know, what if my math has been way wrong and I'm way short? Well, now I know where the rest of the fabric is. <laughs> I can go back and get some. Um, or I'll just ask my Twilter friends, hey, anybody got blues in these particular colors? But I, I really think I'll be okay. So I got all my fabrics cut, but that was all I got cut. Um, I didn't get any sewing done. But, you know, that's because I was cutting essentially three times as much as what I needed for my own quilt. So, I, you know, I was okay with that. And mostly I was thrilled to get rid of the rest of all that fabric. Um, but I think because I spent all day Friday doing such essentially mundane repetitive tasks, although it was a lot of fun because I was, you know, chatting with my friends while I was doing it. Um, I, I kind of went into overdrive yesterday and today on doing everything except <laughs> the, I haven't turned on my sewing machine essentially all weekend. I have been in the basement, um, in my dye studio. So I don't know if that was a reaction thing or what. It's sort of like, okay, I'm just going to spend all day doing this sort of mundane kind of repetitive thing, but then I'm going to have fun the rest of the weekend. So yesterday I've, well, all in this weekend, I've done some more fabric dyeing. Um, for the most part, nothing terribly exciting. Well, yesterday's wasn't exciting. I just, I've got some black and white fabrics that I'm dyeing in colors. Um, and that was, it's something I've known about for a while that I just hadn't gotten around to trying. But then, um, Ms. Lottie, Mad Quilt Lady, had posted a link to somebody's blog who had done it about a week ago now, I think it was. And so Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner had had said, oh, I, you know, I've thought about doing that, so I'm going to do some too. And she did a couple and she posted those on her blog and I got thinking about it and I said, you know, I, I really want to do it. So I did it this weekend. Um, I did just some basic colors. I did some yellows. I did some blues. I did mix a couple of my own greens. So I have one that's sort of more of a blue green and then the other one that's more of a yellow green. Um, but then today I did a little bit more experimental. I think I talked a few weeks ago in an episode about the tray dyeing book I have. And so I did, I've got two tray dyes going, um, actually a couple of different fabrics in each tray, but two trays. Uh, so that'll be fun to see how that turns out because, well, one of, one of the trays is a technique similar to what I've done before. The other one is kind of a new technique. So I'm interested to see how that works. Uh, so I will have photos of those on my blog sometime this week. The dye, the dye baths from yesterday, which is the black and white fabrics, those are in the wash. Those will be done by the end of today. Probably they might even be done now. Um, the other ones, you know, it's going to take me another couple of days to get those done. So sometime this week, I hope to get photos of those. If not, it'll have to be a few weeks because I'm not going to be blogging for the next couple weeks after this. Um, Mostly what I ended up doing was was playing with fabric painting. I kind of got the buzz in my head to do it. Anyway, I'm, I'm actually not entirely sure what set me off this time. <laughs> but uh, yesterday I kind of woke up in the morning thinking about fabric painting. 
And so I decided yesterday afternoon, we, my daughter and I, well, I had an eye appointment in the morning and then my daughter and I went to see the quilt show where my quilt was hanging in. And then we went to an antique show on our way home. The antique show was no great shakes. We didn't take long in there. Um, so after we got home, it was around three o'clock in the afternoon and I decided, well, I've got a couple of hours. Let me go downstairs and just start playing with the textile paint. Mind you, I have a lot of textile paints and Sukuniko inks and all that kind of stuff. And I've just never really spent any time messing with it. So I, I just pulled one of them off the shelf randomly and decided I'm going to sit down and play with this one. Um, and I did one, I have a bunch of fat quarters, uh, PFD fat quarters, just ready, you know, down in the basement for whenever I'm have a chance to do some dyeing. So I had some fat quarters ready. Uh, so I did one with the textile paints that I was, you know, had decided to try yesterday. And I decided after doing it, you know, it wasn't bad results. Um, certainly something I can work with, but I realized, okay, I, I need to do a little more research. I need to learn a little bit more about the most effective ways to work with these. Um, and it wasn't until last night or this morning that I realized, well, dang it, I had already bought a craftsy class recently. I don't know why this wasn't in my head, but I had bought the Cindy Walters craftsy class, um, oh, a couple sales ago uh, on I think it's called fun techniques with fabric paints. And so this morning I just sat and blasted through. I watched the whole class beginning to end. And I actually think it was helpful that I had worked a little bit with one of the fabric paints before watching the class, because that gave me a little more of a frame of reference for what I was seeing her do. Um, fortunately, I do already own all the, <laughs> pretty much all the fabric paints she talks about in the class. If not the brand she has, at least the same idea. Um, and so this afternoon, then I spent another couple of hours in my basement playing with, um, this time I was playing with Dynaflow paints. The ones I was doing yesterday are Profab Bright textile paints and they're a thicker paint, um, even though I was using some water involved with it. So I got a lot more blending, um, but the Dynaflow are a thinner paint and I was using um, techniques she had taught in the class about doing color washing and then uh, throwing salt on them to get a certain effect and doing some folding so that it turns a certain effect while it dries and all this kind of stuff. So I've got several things now down in the basement that I just have to wait for them to dry to see how it all worked. Um, I have used Shiva paint sticks in the past, so I already, I've already got a lot of experience with that. Uh, but what I want to start doing more now is um, what Jane Dunnewald refers to as complex cloth, where I'm using several techniques on a single piece of cloth. Um, again, something I've played around a little bit with here and there once in a while, but it's nothing I've really spent concentrated time on. And this is where I'm at with my hand dyeing now is I do, I'm going to keep dyeing the kinds of fabrics I've been dyeing, but now I also want to step to the next level and start working with some of those fabric, um, the dyed fabrics I've done and do more with them with these other, um, tools that I would have. So, um, I'm really... I really like some of the results I got this afternoon with um, the paints I was using today. So I'm, I can't wait to see how they actually dry. Um, and then, like I said, I did some of the tray dyeing today too. So this weekend, after the tedium of <laughs> cutting 10 yards of fabric into two and a half, five inch, four and a half, those were, yeah, those were the three sizes, two and a half inch strips, lots of, um, five inch strips, fewer of four and a half inch strips, lots of, um, most the four and a half were for the quilts of valor, the five and the five and the two and a half were both for me and the quilts of valor. Uh, 
I think I just needed to do some, you know, haul off and have fun kind of stuff. And I've, I've had a blast this weekend. Uh, so again, you'll be getting pictures this weekend. Um, the, the other thing I've got going on right now um, is sort of more in the, uh, well, definitely in the research phase as Jay of Art Quilt Maker, I think would put it. Um, when I was at the So Days on Friday, one of the one of my friends from Guild came to me. We had a woman from Guild pass away unexpectedly back in January, and I'm not sure I ever talked about this on an episode. It was really devastating to the Guild. Um, it was very unexpected. Uh, she died from the flu. Um, she was fine. She got the flu. She stayed home from a Quilt Guild So Days, and two days later, passed away. Um, it was really, really upsetting and tragic. And um, her best friend was also the three, it was three of them. It was her and her best friend. And then the woman you probably remember, I, well, you may not remember, but I had blogged about this about 18 months ago. Another woman from our guild had passed away unexpectedly. The three of them were like the three musketeers. So now the, the one um, who is still with us, is taking responsibility for um, helping Vicky, the woman who just passed away in January, helping Vicky's husband um, address her quilt studio. And she was also heavily into knitting and crochet and spinning and um, drop spindling and, and all of this other kinds of stuff. And so um, our friend Jan is working to help uh, Vicky's husband deal with the quilt studio side of things. I did talk to her on Friday about, you know, if, if she did have spinning stuff, I'd be interested in, in seeing that because I actually associate Vicky in my mind more with spinning than quilting, even though I've been, you know, with her for years in Quilt Guild and she was in our design study group. My particular special memory of Vicky is um, of going to the Fiber Festival and Vicky and I talking about spinning because Vicky had done some spinning and so she was advising me and what I might want to do as I was just kind of starting out on this on that particular journey so for me my memory of Vicky as soon as I heard that she had passed away that was the first thing that came into mind was memory of that Fiberfest. so I had said to um, Jan that you know it would really be meaningful for me if there was a spinning something or other of Vicky's that I could then have because that would just help me with that memory so we're going to be um doing that at some point. But meanwhile, Jan gave me a UFO of Vicky's that Jan thought, how did she put it? Um, that Vicky would have appreciated seeing what I did with it, I guess. <laughs> and um, it is, it's, it's really going to challenge me. It's really going to challenge me, which is, but in a fun way. Um, it's a UFO. It's based on realistic applique from pictures and as Jan and I were then tweeting back and forth, uh, messaging back and forth yesterday, I said, do you know who, because when Jan handed it to me, she just said, well, she had taken a class. Here's what she had done based on the class. But at the time, Jan couldn't really remember, you know, any of the, the details really. So yesterday I had um, sent her a message to say, okay, do you remember the name of the teacher? Anything that you have that to go on? And so she came up with a couple of names and she mentioned Cynthia England. So I went on to Amazon and did find um, Cynthia England's book. But then Jan said, oh, no, I've got that one. So <laughs> cancel your order. So I canceled the order. So I will be getting a, the Cynthia England book um, fairly soon. But it's so that's realistic applique from pictures. And it's 
it's taking a photo and really breaking it down into very, very intricate <laughs> applique. And um, so Vicki had done, this was based on a photo of a rose from Vicki's garden. And one of the things Vicki did was raised award-winning roses. She used to compete in garden shows and things. Um, and she had designed this, uh, this, well, the UFO is designed based on this technique. Um, she has the fabric that she was gonna use in the kit. She's got the pattern for the whole background. She was gonna put this thing on. Um, it's all right there. And, but it's only, she had only done um, some of the applique, maybe, oh gosh, I don't even wanna say it's a quarter of it. Um, maybe like an eighth <laughs> of what the eventual applique would have been. And she was doing it needle turn applique. Um, but what it was is the rose itself is that realistic applique, but then the background was this very artistic kind of thing. So it kind of starts from realistic applique from a picture and then goes tearing off in a completely different direction, which is why I think it's going to be a lot of fun to work on. Um, I'm really going to have a ball figuring this thing out. It, it, it's really, really super detailed. And she did, she had gotten so far as creating sort of the you have to create a, a key, a numbered key to the fabrics you're going to use. So you have one pattern that's drawn out as you're going to do it, and it's got the number in each little part. And then there's a little, um, oh, I'm losing the words. There's a little a smidgen of the fabric on another piece of paper with the number. Well, she only had it, the, the key diagram, she's only got the keys about maybe a quarter done. So I would still have to figure out the rest of it. Um, I don't know that I would finish it as needle turn applique. I've done some needle turn applique. It's really not something I typically enjoy doing. Um, there's two or three pieces she had basted down, but not appliqued yet. I may just finish those down because since they're already basted down, I may finish those off. The good thing about this particular project and needle turn is because it's a flower, the edge can be wavy and I don't have to worry about it being specific, you know, really, really precise. Um, but some of the pieces in the shading and the detail of it are so stinking tiny. Um, she has several done already. I really don't know that that's, I think if I said I was going to do this exactly like that, I don't think it would ever get done. So I think what I'm going to do is kind of simplifies it, fuse it, and then do something with thread painting itself. But still, there's a lot of detail. I would prefer to kind of work out what the detailed version would have looked like first and then figure out how I want to simplify it. Um, she also had a very cryptic note in handwriting on one of the, the pieces, one of the de pattern designs that she had made out for this thing about how she was going to quilt it. It's cryptic, <laughs> it, but it definitely heads me in a certain direction that could be really interesting, even though it's not clear what her intention was. So again, that's something I want to ponder um, about to see if I can kind of figure out how can I, how can I sort of reference her original vision in some way, but doing it, you know, kind of my way. Um, the background she had planned is perfect for me to get funky with hand dyes, so I'll be able to stay true, again, stay true to her vision to a certain extent, but put my own spin on things. So in other words, I'm really not sweating trying to replicate what she was going to do with this project. I can't. You know, I'm not in her head. <laughs> I don't know exactly what she had planned on doing. Um, and I, I'm not sweating, oh my gosh, I have to do this exactly. That's not where my head is at. What I am doing is um, I'm, I'm having fun trying to work out 
what might have been in her head. Uh, I have just a tremendous amount of respect for her. She was an excellent quilter. Um, and she loved, she was in our design study group. She loved kind of talking about that sort of stuff and, and pushing herself in that direction. So as Jan gave this to me, she said, you know, this would, Vicki would have loved to have seen what you would do with this. So there's no intent that I'm ever going to replicate what Vicki was. It's more taking what Vicki was doing as a jumping off point and then somehow doing what I would normally do myself. Um, and I really like the idea of having something that's a mix of part her and part me. And I've already found myself referring to it in my head as, as a, with the name, Vicki and Sandy have a play date. <laughs> so, so I am really interested in, in kind of brewing this one and, and doing a little more research and saying, okay, if I were to do it the way she was going to do it, what would that look like? And then how can I tweak that myself to something, one, I will actually get done, and two, that would feel like something I would have fun doing and it's something I would normally do myself. So I, I think that'll be kind of cool. So I appreciate that Jan gave me this particular piece um, to work on. I, I think it'll be fun. It's not going to get done anytime soon, <laughs> but I do think it'll get done. Um, we'll see. The other thing she gave me out of uh, Vicky's uh, quilt studio and, and library is a book, and the book is called Thread Painting Made Easy by Terry White. And again, she gave it to me saying, I think Vicki would have loved you to have this, and I think it's something you would enjoy. And it is. This is I've got a, a boatload of other thread painting books. This one I did not have. I had never seen it. Um, and it is right up my alley. I love this thing. And it's very good. I'm, I've actually sat down with a highlighter, and I'm only through the first, you know, the introduction part. But she actually has some stuff in here that I had not seen in my other thread painting classes that I think will be, or books that I think will be very helpful. Um, again, it's Thread Painting Made Easy by Terry White. It's um, American Quilter Society, published 2008. And it has, the section one is how to thread paint. It talks to, you know, about your sewing machine, how to set up, avoiding tension headaches and thread breaks and fabrics and stabilizers and needles and threads. Um, all of that stuff is, you know, similar to what I've got in other books. Always helpful for a review class. Um, if you don't have any other thread painting or thread sketching or thread painting books, you would find that, you know, new information. If you've got other books, it's probably similar to what's in there. Although, again, I was highlighting some stuff. What I found most interesting in that section is the section called the stitches. And what she does is she goes through and has several, um, how does she describe it? I'm getting to the first page of that section. Uh, she talks about stitches that she uses essentially as different types of fillers. So she goes through the buttonhole stitch, the chain stitch, the chevron stitch, circular stitch, clamshells, contours, crosshatch, French knots, jump stitch, ladder stitch. And these are all stitches, by the way, you do on your machine. Um, and there's several more pages of them. And that's something I had not seen. Most thread painting I've seen is kind of, you know, the back and forth and filling in kind of stuff. This is more um, shaped. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Anyway, I found that part really interesting to read through. And then the rest of it, or a lot of the rest of it, is actually lessons. And she takes you through a sequence of projects to do to help you learn ever more increasingly complex types of thread painting. Um, and and the designs are fun. They're, they're just cool. They're funky. They're artistic. They're not 
they're not kind of your standard thread painting <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, this is cool stuff. And I was, as I was just going through the pictures, I was already immediately brewing ideas for some of my journal quilts and the prayer uh, flags I've talked about and everything. So this is a really cool book. And I will put a link to it in the show notes this episode um, so you can uh, look it up yourself. Again, it's Thread Painting Made Easy by Terry White. And I just want to say thank you, Vicki. Thank you, Jan, for thinking of me. It is a cool book, and I can't wait to start playing with that one too, especially with my new superior threads. So that is my update for the week. Um, and again, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be able to post an episode next week. The week after, I think I can. I'm kind of losing track of what date that would be. I'd have to look at a calendar. Um, but somewhere in there, I will get another episode posted, um, especially because by then I will have hoped to have had a lot more progress on my embroidery project and could talk about that and maybe even a prayer flag or two. I am going to open up my email to check listener feedback. Okay, thanks to Daisy of Very Lazy Daisy podcast and quilts. And uh, she was the very first one to respond after I had posted the um, episode that was not an episode with the new microphone. And um, she had some great feedback. So thank you very much. Um, She said test equals pass. So thank you, Daisy. Thank you to Nancy, who commented on episode 178, in which I take another another class, which was last Sunday's episode. And she responded to my comments about maybe I should get rid of my stash. And I asked if anybody else had ever done that. She said, getting rid of of the stash is freeing. Just sent some to a charity group this week. Much of it was hand-me-downs from my aunt, and I never really loved it. My husband recently built me the cutting table that you talked about last year, and I filled the cubbies with stash fabric I love, not just in-case fabric. So thank you, Nancy. That's what I'm... I'm really starting to kind of come down to is that, yeah, I think if I were to just get rid of that stash or at least, you know, the vast majority of it, I would feel more free to go back and really focus on the kinds of quilting I want to focus on. So thank you very much for your input. I would still be interested in hearing from anyone else. If anybody else has ever been in a point where they've just offed a lot of fabric, not just because they were moving and had to get rid of it, but maybe just made the conscious decision that they wanted to, um, just get rid of some stash and you know what did that feel like and what brought you to that point and um you know have you ever looked back (laughs) stuff like that so thank you nancy for your um response thank you to sherry who also commented on the same episode and she said you do know that your own saliva will take the blood spots out of your fabric right yes it's gross but it works but i think i already responded that one feels like i already talked about it because I think I said something about I'm not about to start licking my felted wool. <laughs> um, but in any case, that's because of some blood, sp- uh, one little tiny blood spot, um, not even bigger than a pinhead. I mean, it is a tiny little blood spot from my embroidery when I had a direct hit on the front of my thumb. Um, and I'm just going to embroider over it. It's not big enough to really worry about. Thank you to uh, Michelle for her uh, comment on the same episode. And she had said there's no sound issues on any of my podcasts, and she listens via her iPad in an app. Um, But she has problems commenting on that same um, iPad. So thank you for your uh, feedback. And I know the um, tech supports already looked at your comment because she and I already had some conversations about it because you were like one of the very first ones we got back. And she says, see, I'm listening, Sandy. Just don't comment a lot because I'm sewing while listening. And I said, I think I'll give you a free pass since you're sewing. That's okay. Doing anything else? I don't know. I'd have to be a little upset, but sewing. All right, we'll go with that. Uh, Thank you to Judy for her comment on Fight the Funk Friday. 
and she was giving me feedback both on the comments and on the volume. So thank you for your feedback. I appreciated that. Um, thank you to Jay for her comment on Fight the Funk Friday and the feedback on the comment on the how that worked. Thank you to Linda on Fight the Funk Friday, who also gets my um, blog as an email. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and she fed back. She fed back. She gave me feedback on both blog and microphone. So thanks, Linda. Thank you to Margaret, who also um, commented for in, so that we could t test it out with tech support. And she also says, thank you for the clip about overloaded introverts, because I get that way too after the public face has been worn too many days in a row. Um, the photo of your showpiece looks great. I'm assuming it's made from your beautiful hand dyes and the title of the piece would be, and that is um, the Nooms. And I did blog about it. I Apparently, I guess I didn't post a link to that blog post in the Fight the Funk Friday. But if you search for um, Nooms, N-E-U-M-E-S is the name of the uh, project of the that art piece and it is I did do a whole blog post about it about a week ago maybe and she says happy spring hooray for the sun yes we are happy although today snowing again but you know that's normal we don't worry about that uh, thanks to Charlotte who said uh, who also really appreciated the link to the I think the the it was called eight sneaky signs of an impending introvert meltdown or that you're about to have an introvert meltdown or something like that was the blog post I had linked to on Fight the Funk Friday and Charlotte appreciated especially love the troll in your head saying you suck I've been there <laughs> I think we all have been there um, and she also gave me feedback on commenting on my blog thank you to Jackie who also says I would say the introvert article you linked to says it all and says it well been there too long sorry there's others in my camp but glad to hear I'm not the only one I wish I could have a week in my studio with no one to bother me so um thank you Jackie <laughs> yeah all of us who have lived through that experience are probably giving a sad little chuckle while we read that blog post um thank you to Jenny F um who also gave me feedback on the microphone and thank you to Diane, who said, you sound marvelous, darling. <laughs> and she said, I heard no pop squeaks. Sound quality was very good, to which I respond. Something like, apparently you didn't hear me stand up out of my chair and all the pops and squeaks coming out of my knees. Um, thank you to Carol, who also gave me feedback on the new microphone. And to Michelle, who also gave me feedback on the new microphone, although she said she didn't have any problems before, but it still sounds great. Um, thank you to Stephanie, who gave me feedback on the microphone and on... Um, now I guess this was just on the microphone and she loves the Craftsy reviews, Snow Dying and other reviews and she says I have cycled on the Erie Canal near you love Goldens too so next time you're cycling if you happen to see a woman walking a Golden might be me stop and say hello um, thank you to Mary Lou who also gave um, me feedback on the microphones and to Tammy who also gave me feedback on the microphones and to Gretchen who did as well and oh Sorry, that was, <laughs> I was going to say, and to Kristen. Nope, that was tech support, Kristen. Although, thank you, tech support, Kristen. Um, oh, Jay also commented on my Thinking About It Thursday. She says, since you work from home, is it possible for you to work from Southern California, November through February? I'm pretty sure Susan the History Quilter had an extra room since her oldest is off at US, UCSD, um, which I have to laugh. Susan, did you know Jay is offering up your guest room? <laughs> I can just show up on your doorstep with a suitcase and say, hey, Jay sent me. <laughs> so thank you, Jay, for the idea. And thanks, Susan, start cooking. I'm, I'm going to show up anytime now. And thank you to Sarah for giving me feedback as well. And to Carol, 
and to Nancy and to Lisa and to um, Sue, all of whom gave me feedback on either commenting or the microphone. And Sue also said, so glad to hear you've got another quilt in a show. And if it's the quilt above, it's beautiful. Um, thank you very much, Sue. I appreciate it. Um, it is, it's kind of a kick to see your quilt in a show. Uh, even though, like I said, it, it's not, I'm not afraid of shows. It's just not, that's not where my head is at. So, um, I don't know how often I would be doing that. But I did, after, just so you know, my intro to this episode, or to this podcast used to say I've never had a quilt in the show, but after I put it in this show the first time, I did edit that back out. So now I no longer say that because I have had quilts and shows. So that is it for this episode. Be watching for some pretty, pretty pictures on my blog this week of my um, hand dye and fabric painting results. And uh, show me your own pictures. Love to see pictures. Like I said, please do comment on this episode if you've never commented before, because I really do have to test things out. I appreciate it. After that, I will stop begging for comments, although they are still appreciated. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z at gmail.com. You can follow my blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. And there is all sorts of fun conversation going on over there these days. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us team on Kiva and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things on my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Mm-hmm.